0: Welcome back, everybody. It's 134 in Edmonton. Bob Stauffer live at Rogers Place, where tonight the Edmonton Oilers take on the Buffalo Sabers. Royal Pizza, pizza passed and so much more. Edmonton-owned and operated for over 50 years. For a menu and a list of their 15 Edmonton area locations, four in Calgary, you can go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stauffer recommendation is the Mediterranean Chicken. Brendan's a fan of the Texan. Everything at Royal is real. It's not all that synthetic ground. App. It's the good stuff. All right, we're going to head to our Oilers Now headliner today for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It just might be the best you've ever tasted. It is the best you've ever tasted. Three locations in Edmonton and surrounding areas. That's Wilhawk Beef Jerky. Search Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Trent and the staff at Wilhawk will look after you. And anyway, we welcome back to the show from the Buffalo News, Lance Lysowski.
1: Lance, it's Bob Stoffer. How are you doing? Bob, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me
0: on. Doing All right. Great. Hey, you got to do this because Jack Michaels is, uh, and Jack's doing TV tonight. It's Cam and me on the radio. I'll be on the intermissions on the TV side as well. Louis got the call with Jack and Gene. Uh, Jack is a huge Pitt Panthers fan, okay? Now, he's a little bit older than you. Uh, I don't know if he would have seen the Panthers quite in the Tony Dorsett 1976 prime <laughs> when they uh, won the national uh, championship with uh, uh, who's the fellow that went to Tennessee from Pitt and then uh, ended up coaching uh, Johnny Majors. Johnny Majors. He went back to Pitt afterwards, right, later on in his career, one of the greatest players of all time at Tennessee. As you know, I'm an Alabama fan, so I'm still smarting from the weekend that lost Tennessee. But did you not cover the Pitt Panthers? at one time
1: i did for a couple of seasons i covered them uh i was on the beat in 2016 when they upset clemson they had james Conner on their team that was actually a pretty good group that was sort of the start of what we're seeing from their program now to where they're actually pretty relevant
0: yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, there's obviously a lot of schools in the state of Pennsylvania. that, And I, I think that maybe people take, and we'll get to the Sabres in a second, but, you know, Penn State is, uh, Guy Godowski Guy coaches their hockey program right now. He's from Edmonton, as you know. He was my center in Midget Double-A. Uh, but there's pl- a plethora of Pennsylvania-based schools. That must have been a heck of a, a, a good gig for you to start off with.
1: Oh, it absolutely was, right? And, you know, getting college beats, there's certain things you can learn from it. Uh, The reporting aspect, it's not like you're in the dressing room. But to have – I was lucky because that season in particular, I was able to cover a really good story with that team. And, hey, went ahead and covered the Pirates after that. I was in baseball, and now here I am in hockey with my fifth season with the Sabres. All right. Here we are.
0: Where are we at with the Sabres right now? Are you seeing some progression and growth in this organization?
1: progression and growth now the challenge is really meeting expectations last year everybody expected them to finish at the bottom of the league they they exceeded those right especially with the last two months of the season where their winning percentage their points percentage excuse me was about 13th in the league a lot of their young guys have taken big steps you see Rasmus Dali now being that number one defenseman averaging 25 minutes a night you know Dylan Cousins has taken steps Paige Thompson now They're still very young. The youngest team in the NHL, so there's some hiccups, especially when you get out of training camp right now. You know, defensive zone structure isn't what it was late last season, so they really got to pull together tonight against the Oilers.
0: All right, so Kevin Adams gets an extension as a GM. Don Granato gets an extension as the head coach. How was that uh, met in the
1: Buffalo market? Those Two are very positively received with the work that they've done. Kevin Adams under difficult circumstances have Built a deeper roster. There's no question about it. Though when Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhart, and Rasmus Ristolainen were the core players, they were ne- that franchise was never able to build a good team around them. Finally, now that you see one through four lines, the D pairs, and plus all the prospect pipeline, there's a lot of talent there that Kevin Adams has built. They're getting draft picks and whatnot. And Don Granado's pushed pushed development forward with all these key young players. Now it's it's that next step, right? It's about Meeting expectations, exceeding them, and continuing that work because it doesn't get any easier. You know, teams are not going to be surprised by Tate Thompson this season. He's got to find different ways to score goals and really find a way against different more difficult line matchups no matter where you're playing there.
0: Well you mentioned Thompson he never had higher than a 10% shooting percentage in his NHL career shot the lights out last year at 15% overall for 38 goals sometimes that's difficult to replicate Lance Uh, but I want to circle back to Eichel for a second do you think maybe part of what turned around for Buffalo occurred after Jack Eichel was removed out of the situation I'm not saying it's addition by subtraction I'm just saying that they had finality to a tenuous situation. What do you think?
1: Absolutely. I think that there was finality in some ways at the start of camp last year when – the captaincy was stripped from Michael, and it was clear to everybody in that dressing room he wasn't coming back. A trade was going to happen, but eventually. And then, when the trade actually happened in November, not only does that end that chapter and give you really a clearer picture on what's next for the organization, but you bring in somebody like Alex Tuck, who's from the Syracuse area, who grew up a Sabres fan, who's happens to be a pretty good player in the NHL who's produced and played in Stanley cup final. You had Peyton Krebs. So, and I think that you got to give Kyle Poso and Zemba Skergensen's in particular, a lot of credit for fixing what was wrong in that dressing room. It was, it seemed clicky. It seemed that there was just this pressure on Michael and Reinhardt to just win immediately that it, it just created, it was a perfect storm that created sort of a toxic situation behind the scenes. And, finally it just it had to end for both sides even without the neck injury for eichel it seemed like it was time for for this organization to to move forward with a different plan
0: you know lance we would go in there and it just seemed and you know every time because the orders got mcdave fluked off won the lottery in 2015 and eichel went second and connor all he's done is put up 702 points and 489 career games He's uh, won four scoring championships and come in second the other two years over the last six years. Like Connor has delivered, the owners haven't built the, the team around him yet. They think they've taken the step forward, but it just seemed every time yeah. we went in there, there was this negative energy vortex around Eichel. It was it was unlike you. You could feel it. It was palpable.
1: Yes, the, the tension was palpable. It didn't feel like a team, and then and you really noticed the difference when you went to different locker rooms and the Sabres were on the road. The presence of of some of their guys and how it felt like more of a team. It was too segmented in those final years under Eichel. And you know what, Jack Eichel. Very good guy. Did a lot of good in Buffalo off the ice in terms of his work at the children's hospital. I know that he still connects with a lot of people through his relationships there. It was time to end, though. He got rushed into the captaincy. They created a terrible situation around him by continuing to fire coaches and general managers. And at the end, enough was enough. The guy had it. He wanted a change. And, of course, it just – unfortunate for I guess both sides it had to be through this neck injury that created that saga that came to an end almost a year ago
0: All right, I'm going to ask you about the two number one overall picks separately and I'm going to start with Rasmus Dahlien 53 points last year forget about the Dash 22 played on a, a team where it was tough to have a good plus minus, he plays 25 minutes a game, your thoughts on him?
1: Pauline is in a system now that fits his talents. He's allowed to be aggressive offensively, and it's freed him up defensively. He was putting so much pressure on himself to be this shutdown defenseman, to be a player that, frankly, he's not. You know, it was, a lot of, it was a lot more dump and chase under Ralph Kruger. It was a lot of more conservative. Ralph was trying to really drill on Rasis Darlene, defensive responsibility first, then we'll unleash your offense. It just created a big lack of confidence, and now Darlene has that confidence back. He's in a, a system where you're attacking offensively, you're attacking aggressively, and now he's got just better personnel around him. You know, it's the top defense pair now. It's him and Matias Samuelson, who just received that seven-year extension. I know a lot of people around the league sort of snickered at that deal because he's only played 54 NHL games that has no goals, but he's a very good defenseman, very reliable that has helped He's reached that next level. It's, it's really been night and day also with Darlene off the ice, the confidence. He feels like he could be himself now. I think that another part of that leadership with the Sabres in the past was there was this hesitancy for anybody else to step up and try to lead because it was all jack, 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 and now they're leading by the aggregate, which is a much more healthy place to be in the National Hockey League.
0: Owen Power, I was interested, there was a story in The Athletic, and they did not rank Owen Power as the best player from the 2021 draft. I'm like, well, Owen Power's in the NHL, and the player that you've got ranked number one is not currently in the league, and it's not like Power didn't contribute a bit offensively last year. You've got to see every game this guy's played in the NHL. What do you think, Lance? Lance?
1: He looks sharp, right? And defensemen in the NHL at that age are going to be exposed. Their mistakes are exposed much more so than a than forward. So it doesn't surprise me that one of those way too early rankings from a draft class doesn't have his number one because you can nitpick a defenseman game much easier than you can't afford. The best fact of the matter is though that Owen Power, the poise that this kid has with the puck at nineteen years old is remarkable. The details in his game, his ability to break the puck out under pressure, it's the small little details in his game, the small area plays to break a forecheck check that really stand out when you, you watch him play. He can handle matchups no matter, you know, top line. Throughout. Um, his work on the second power play unit has grown. I think that he is a player that is just scratching the surface. There's a lot of work to do, of course, like any young player coming to the league, but. Yeah, he is as good as advertising. You're going to start seeing those glimpses of greatness are going to start becoming more and more frequent as he becomes more comfortable defending at this level.
0: All right, so Thompson had 38 goals last year. Middlestat up and down, uh, had some injury issues. And Dylan Cousins, who comes out of the UConn, uh, he had a 38-point campaign. They got a little bit of strength down the middle. They're young. Is Middlestat still maybe the biggest question mark just because he hasn't been able to sustain his health?
1: Yeah, he's the biggest question mark. Dylan Cousins was their best player in training camp. If you watch him the last couple of months of last season, the scoring chances were there. He was tacking the middle of the ice. You saw it at the World Championships. He's going to be good. I think he's their second line center. I think he's going to have a 20 to 25 goal season, not to put too much pressure on the kid. But Casey Middleset he's got to stay healthy. They're giving him every opportunity to carve out a long term role on this group. You know, starting out centering the second line, getting work on the first tower play unit, the talent is there. He's got to piece it all together, and you know, for some guys, that's it's just not easy. Health. And last year, he was a bit snake bit, and finally found his way the last couple weeks of last season. He's got to keep that going, though, because it's not like they don't have talent on the wings that they're giving him to work with. Uh,
0: Tell me this: uh, the Sabers have. They're the lowest team in the league in the cap at 63 million bucks. So you have even got Ben Bishop basically at five million dollars on LT. You know, he's it would be an LTIR situation. So they took a pick to to take on that contract. At what point uh, do the Pakulas start to spend a little bit more money on this team? Do you think that's something that might occur uh, in the offseason coming up?
1: This summer. And I think the big question here is not only do you need more clarity on the salary cap, you need more clarity of how much is Rasmus Dahlin going to cost you, how much is Dylan Cousins going to cost you. They're being overly, I would, you could say overly frugal right now with free agency because... They need these young players to play. You know, Jack Quinn and J.J. Kuturk again. gain anything from being in Rochester again this season. You got to graduate them. You got to see what they can do. Right now, this is a big evaluation year for this organization. Who's going to be part of this long term? You know, Middlestad, Krebs, Cousins. Who are you going to sign long term to be a part of your group when you're planning to make the playoffs? And once you have more clarity on that, which I think they should have this coming summer, then you can go with you can go ahead and be aggressive to get that player, whether it be, you know, if you need a first or second line left wing, you know, a top two D pair kind of kind of defenseman, maybe someone who's more difficult to play against a pair with Owen Power, then you have a really good idea. Just I they really wanted to evaluate first. They went and got Ilya Lubushkin who's been pretty good. Eric Comrie's gonna start in goal tonight. He's sort of the the bridge gap option in goal until Luka Pakalukin's ready. Yeah, and of course, this summer, Bob, we all know that when Patrick Kane hits free agency, everyone's going to talk about the Sabres. We'll see if that ends up being something they pursue.
0: One final one for you. Totally selfish uh, question on my part. How did Brett Murray look in uh, training camp?
1: Well good. Really, I, I really like him as a player, Bob, and he showed in, in flashes in the NHL last season that he could do it. It's just the foot speed. It's the consistent foot speed. It's being able to play with pace in your game because it in front of the net, man, he is going to be a force in this league. He's getting a lot of opportunity in Rochester right now. He's wandered, he's going to be among the first forwards, recalled, if there's an injury or an opportunity to come up. He's just really it's a victim of circumstances, the numbers that they have in the NHL right now, but even Rochester, I think you could have made an argument that He's a very good fit for a fourth-line role right now. I could see him taking over. If Demis Gergensen leaves in free agency or that he gets moved to the deadline, who knows what's going to happen a few months from now. Brett Murray's the kind of guy that yeah. if the Sabres don't put him on their fourth line, another team will.
0: Yeah, six foot five, two 230-pound left wing. Uh, played at Penn State briefly and uh, ended up back in the USHL where he put up ridiculous numbers and then has spent basically parts of four seasons in the minors. Lance, we appreciate the time. Thank you for joining us here on Oilers Now. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thanks for having me. You bet. That is Lance Lysowski. He is with the Buffalo News. It's 148 in Edmonton, and you're listening to Oilers Now. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stauffer, Brendan Escott with you. The Oilers and the Buffalo Sabres tonight, Eric Carmery. Yes, yeah, Son and Bill Comrie starts in goal for the Sabers. Ten five and one, a two point five eight goals against average, nine twenty SVP last year for the Winnipeg Jets as a backup. He's now twenty seven. Stuart Skinner, age twenty three, will start for the Oilers. Stop thirty one against of uh, thirty one against Calgary the other night as he replaced Jack Campbell. The Oilers to go eleven and seven. Derek Ryan was the last player on the ice. Looks like he's a healthy scratch. Edmonton's only got twelve forwards currently up. Uh, with yesterday's recall of Marcus Niemalainen and Brad Malone going down. So it looks like Niemalainen to played 13-12 per game last year in his 20 NHL games, will play. Uh, Oilers looking to have a much better start. Poor performances out of the gate from Edmonton in both the games against Vancouver. They were able to recover from that. And Calgary was too good on Saturday to come back on, though the Oilers did have a puncher's chance late in the game uh, before a... Uh, Eventual stop from Flames, Netminder Dan Vladar. It was interesting they started Vladar and not Jacob Markstrom, who the orders have lit up over the course of the last couple of years. So uh, we'll have McDavid with Kane and Yamamoto, Dry Settle with Hyman and Polyarvi, RH with Holloway and Fogel, the top three lines. Uh, Buffalo's an interesting squad. They got a lot of young talent. Uh, five homegrown first round picks, Edmonton with eight. Let's do this. Let's go to the Oilers' history. It is presented by New West Travel. In January, you can join Oilers now on a three-game road trip to Las Vegas to see the Oilers play the Golden Knights. You can reach out to New West Travel at newwesttravel.com. We're going to go back to 2005. I was in the building. Here is Brendan Escott.
1: The Oilers retiring Paul Coffey's number seven prior to a game against the Phoenix Coyotes. The Phoenix Coyotes, yes. The team's uh, first-round pick, sixth overall in 1980. Coffey inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in two 2004, after a 21-year career, spent his first seven seasons in Edmonton, 669 points across 532 regular season games. Four Stanley Cups in there as well. Coyotes did win that game, though, in overtime, 4-3, a goal by Derek Morris.
0: Coffee, part of the 84, 85, and 87 championship edmonton order teams, uh, was moved during the course of the 87-88 season. Um in a trade that uh, basically netted back Craig Simpson, who was a huge part of the 88 and 90 Cups on a line with Glenn Anderson and the Moose, Mark Messier. So here's what we got rolling today. We got the Oilers and the Buffalo Sabres live from Rogers Place. Uh, Reed Wilkins and myself will be in Studio 99 with a face-off show at 5.35. Uh, Cam Moon and Rob Brown will be amongst the other luminaries to make an appearance on tonight's show. Cam and myself have got the call along with Rob and Reed, Brendan and Scott's going to slide down for some dressing room interviews As all. Tomorrow we will uh, be on the road. We are in White Court at the Boston Pizza from noon until 2. Our guests will include sports Mark Spector as well as Jack Michaels from the Oilers Radio Network and David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. Up next, the global news weather traffic update with Kevin Robertson followed by Rob Bregenert from 2 to 3 and then the 6.30 chat afternoons with Jalen Nye. I will read join you at 535 from Studio 99.